1: Hello and welcome to a brand new Arseblog Arsecast right here on arsblog.com. How are you? Hope you're well. Just a bit of a quick public information bit to start this show... The first 10 minutes of this podcast are going to be available here on blog. I've then sold the rights for the second 23 minutes to another company, which you can listen to there. That's $29.99 a month, but if you want it in HD, it's $39.99 a month. Then the final bit of the podcast is with another company entirely. They will stream the last part of the podcast to you, but you have to have a smart fridge coupled with one of those Alexa things. So you have to go... Alexa, play the Arsblog Arsecast on my smart fridge and my voice will come booming out of the front of your fridge. And that's how you listen to the last part of the show. And then the bit after the music, what you have to do is send a stamped addressed envelope to Arsblog 7 Dublin, and I will return to you within 28 days a cassette tape on which you can hear the final part of the show on your uh, Sony Walkman, which I'm sure you have up in the, the attic somewhere. It's just how things are working these days. It's called content distribution. It's the way all the cool kids are doing it. The Premier League, probably Radiohead. They're probably doing some shit like that. Loads of people. It's the way forward. Why make it convenient for somebody by saying, here, here's everything you need in one handy package. Just use that. And you can watch and listen to what you want, wherever you want, on whatever device you want, whether it's your TV or your tablet or your phone or your speak and spell. I mean, technology is supposed to make our lives better and more convenient. And in some ways it does. In some ways, obviously it does. But in other ways... It really doesn't. Like this week, I needed to get some uh, old bank statements for one reason or another. The reason doesn't matter. But of course, we've got internet banking. Could I do it there? No, I rang up the helpline. They said, oh, we'll put you through to the branch. The branch said, no, we can't do that. You've got to talk to customer care. Customer care said, oh, yeah, we can do that, but it takes 21 days. And I'm like, it takes 21 days to, to get me some bank statements. Yeah. And I was like, no, I can't do this. So I went down to the branch and spoke to a person. And within five minutes, I had what I wanted. Human interaction sometimes is actually a good thing. I know it's crazy. I mean, you can't see how popular somebody is when you speak to them face to face, can you? Where is their follower count? You can't look at their timeline to see what kind of a person you're dealing with, but sometimes, just sometimes, it's actually worth it. Now, I'm not saying do it all the time because ultimately, you know, it's human interaction, whether it's via keyboard or via face-to-face. You know, you will find somebody who will let you down, who will be disappointing, who does not give you what you want exactly when you want it in the manner in which you deserve it. But my experience this week was uh, was pretty positive. We have had a week in which we've made a signing. The very first signing of the Unai Emery era, or the very first signing of the post-Wenger era, went through. Stefan Lichtsteiner joins on a free transfer after seven years in Turin with Juventus. He's had a lot of success there, so we're going to get some information on him, what kind of a player he is, what we can expect from him, and what he might bring to this squad both on and off the pitch. We'll be talking to Paolo Bandini now in just a second. I'll also be talking to Paolo about Unai Emery, his appointment, what he expects from the new manager, new head coach, uh, from the new football executive committee. And also we'll be looking at the uh, the Premier League football rights. Uh, Some of the games have gone to Amazon from the start of next season. Is this the start of something different? Is it the start of something new? We already know that the way people watch football has changed, is changing, has changed, whatever way you want to say it. Are they going to face up to this new reality, or are they too tied in to the traditional deals that they have with the likes of Sky and BT? We'll find out, so let's welcome to the show Paolo Bandini. Hi there. Hey, Andrew. How are you? I'm all right, thanks very much. Now, the reason I want to talk to you is because Arsenal have made their first signing... Of the summer, the first signing of the Unai Emery era. I don't know if we can say, actually, that Unai Emery makes a signing anymore. We put up uh, a story on Blog News where we said uh, Unai Emery or Licksteiner, Stefan Licksteiner becomes Unai Emery's first capture, and people are all, well, actually, it's the uh, Sven Mislintad and uh, Raoul and Ivan who are doing the transfers. Emery has got nothing to do with them, but... For the ease of just talking about it, we can assume, let's say, it's a manager or a head coach, if you like, bringing in a player. Stefan licksteiner vastly experienced defender. Uh, you've seen a lot of him, obviously, at Juventus. Uh, what, what do you make of this one? Because he is um, mature, I think would be a good way of putting it
2: yeah i mean interestingly it sort of struck me a little bit as um a step down from um and maybe that's just a, a realistic uh reflection of, of where the two clubs are but it's a sort of step down version of a juventus signing i mean these are the sorts mm. of signings that juventus have been very good at in in recent years is looking at someone who's approaching the end of their career and 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 you know is certainly no longer physically at the their peak but who can still do something for them and contribute on a free transfer and obviously the most recent example um the most recent highly successful example even though it was only there uh, for a year is Danny Alves who they took from Barcelona mm. and, and played a huge part in their run to the Champions League final now again you know let's let's emphasize that I did say step down there I'm not suggesting that Liechtenstein is going to come in and have the sort of impact at Arsenal that, that Danny Alves did uh, at Juventus but I do think um it's it's a perfectly sensible pragmatic signing um i think he's a player who can contribute i think he's a player who demonstrably did contribute at juventus last season and this juventus team uh everyone's going to have their own ideas of of, of the relative standards of, of different leagues but this juventus team got 95 points in said yeah uh they won the double for the fourth season running um they went to the quarterfinals of the champions league and uh uh only lost to real madrid in the end albeit after a uh, catastrophe of a, yeah. <laughs> of a first leg they only lost by um by one goal across two legs uh and so you know he he was a a functional useful player for that team was he uh first choice no uh in general if uh Allegri had the choice he was picking Decilio over Licksteiner was he uh, one of the best players in the team when he was there uh, still, no. You know, he was he was a functional right back. But um, did he have a role to play on that team? Yes, he played. Uh, I think uh, something like twenty-one uh, starts in the league. Uh, he mm. played in the second league comeback against Real Madrid. He started. Actually, think played pretty well in that game. He definitely got an assist in that game. Um, yeah. Well, you know, he, he he played in big games as well as just sort of regular games, and and most of the time he did a perfectly serviceable job. Uh, he's a step slower than he used to be. Uh, he's certainly and it's sort of hard to to pick apart exactly what is um uh, what is his age and what is uh, tactical shift in in the balance of of the way Juventus played this season? But he certainly played a, a less ambitious game this season than he has in, in in the past. I think that's been a bit of a steady process of slightly less getting forward from him year on year. Uh, he you know in his prime he was a player who really would get forward quite a lot and put some good crosses in. I think he's still got a good cross on him um, actually, but he just doesn't he doesn't have the legs to get him up there as much as he used to. Would that um, be um
1: would that be a concern for you given that? he is 34 the Premier League I don't know if it's uh, just a cliche or if it's a truism or whatever it is that is probably a little quicker a little more physically intense than, than Serie A well you know, you would know that- I mean,
2: it, it is it is a faster league you know it's it's a cliche but it's also true like uh and and anyone in in Syria will tell you that a lot of people in Syria uh who I've spoken to before about England and not succeeding in international tournaments have said that they think English players run too hard during the season and, and don't have enough left <laughs> at the end of season, which is an interesting take but uh uh yeah it, it's a faster league um and uh I think that um of course, that's going to have some impact. Uh, but again, I, I think it's all about look for any player. It's all about how you use him. I think Luke Steiner is actually. I don't think he's sort of suddenly, you 30, know, thirty-four years old. I don't think he's suddenly unable to to run a good cover a good distance over the course of a game. What he's lost is just a tiny bit of his pace. Yeah. Um, I'm not worried about his stamina and about his ability to play ninety minutes and, and to run hard when he needs to. I think he's always been quite a diligent, hard worker anyway. Uh, but yeah, he, you know, there will be there will be wingers in the Premier League who can beat him for pace. Um, I think that's that's unquestionably true um, whether or not you uh, are putting him in positions to get uh, exposed all the time comes down to your manager And I think yeah. that's probably again look at how he played at events this season he was uh, more cautious he didn't get up the pitch as much as he used to he was much more operating out of his own half rather than the opposition half and I think the really significant change from the season actually because it was interesting what happened at events this season you know he, he, he wasn't included in the um, Champions League squad for the group stages and he then got promoted to the Champions League squad uh, in, in the second half of the season season and I think that that first of all was indicative that he was performing perhaps at a a higher level than people realised secondly a realisation that you know just in general he was a useful player to have as part of that squad um, but perhaps also a reflection of the fact that the events were no longer playing at all, really, with a back three. And I think as a wing-back, he, he simply didn't have it anymore. You can't yeah. play him in 3-5-2 as you used to earlier in his career and expect him to get up and down that flank. But in a cautious 4-3-1-2 or 4-3-3 three, three, or whatever you want to make it, like, yeah, I think he can, he can be a... A, a fairly reliable fullback for you I think yeah look Leroy Sane can probably start running I'm, I'm sure that's, that's true of lots of of young forwards in, sure. in, in uh, the Premier League Mohamed Salah is going to outrun him yeah um but that doesn't mean that he has to be a, a liability. Uh, and and look, I mean, you know, we we haven't said it yet, but I, I don't think anyone's looking at this signing and presuming he's first choice. He's he's probably your yeah. alternative to Hector Bellarin, unless yeah. Bayerin leaves, I guess.
1: Well, I don't think that's I don't think that's going to happen. It would be uh, hugely ambitious to expect a 34 year old to come in and be able to do the job that Hector Bellerin was asked to do last season. Clearly, he was, in my opinion, anyway, he was asked to do too much without proper backup. And uh, Lichsteiner obviously provides that kind of a reassurance uh, for Europa League uh, for particular Premier League games perhaps but also just to take the burden off him but uh, one of the things that Unai Emery said and, and something that Licksteiner himself st- said was uh, about his experience and about his knowledge and about what he could bring to the squad in that regard and he comes to Arsenal after an amazingly successful spell with Juventus, seven successive Serie A titles. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, You know, it's a track record of winning, and winning is something that some of these Arsenal players have got experience of, obviously with the FA Cup, but to have somebody in the dressing room and on the training pitch who can impart some of that wisdom is not necessarily a bad thing either. No,
2: I completely agree. I, I really agree with that. I think um, Nick Steiner has always struck me as uh, one of the players in that Juventus team who really, really loathes losing. Um, and I think that's something that has certainly been characteristic of that side. I think it's something that um, perhaps goes for lots of, of top-level a- athletes. You'd hope it would. But I, th- I guess at Juventus, the difference is that they make sure they don't. You know, I think lots of athletes will say they loathes lo- lo- losing and yeah. And, and and still tolerate it and, and others will will go and graft and graft and graft and i, I do think Lick steiner is a grafter i think he's someone who's who's always worked out he's never been even at his peak he wasn't the guy who looked at and said wow here's the sort of physical freak who's who's doing things that no other player on the football pitch can do he's there because he because he's always um been committed and not just committed in the sort of oh uh you know blood running down your shirt way we like to think about committed committed in the being diligent about the way you eat and the way you work out and the way you rest in your time away from the football pitch to make sure that when you play on Saturday or Sunday or Wednesday or Thursday, that you're going to be playing at the highest level you can play at. Um, And I I think that's, you know, that's almost probably the thing which uh, I felt at times that Arsenal need the most in the last few years is, is Mm. not like, it's not that we need to see people screaming and shouting and, 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 you know, kicking an opponent to prove they care, just prove you care by, putting in the, the hard hours. That, yeah. that's, what, uh, that's what makes a difference. That is what makes a difference. And it's And It's been fascinating these last few years with Juventus. I know everyone will look at seven titles in a row and they just go, oh, well, Juventus are the richest, so they always win. And, and look, there's a lot of truth in that. They are the richest, and that's a, a huge leg up. But to pretend they haven't been pushed by teams in the last few years is nonsense. I mean, Napoli got 91 points this season. Napoli were, were brilliant. Um, and the difference with Juventus was, was that they always just maintained their level all the way through. They lost a few games here and there, but even when they lost to Napoli at the end of the season, it looked like they were all set to the world to come down with uh, games away at Inter and Roma. They just kept playing to their level. And I think Lickstein is that that sort of guy. Because he works hard, because he puts in the hard hours, because he's always uh, setting himself up to succeed, you know, you're probably going to get
1: that. Not always
2: yeah. 10 out of 10 out of him, but you're going to get six and a half and seven out of him most of the time. And that's and, and that's what has sort of marked him out through his career, I think.
1: Sure. Some people have said that he's got a touch of the, you know, the cynic, can we call it that, in yes. him as a player that yeah. uh, something perhaps at Arsenal have been missing. We have been as a team perhaps perceived, not always correctly, but as a, as being a bit too nice or a bit too soft. and And maybe that's an issue that they've identified and something that needs to be addressed. That's part of his game, I believe.
2: Yeah, and I mean, look, you know, there, there comes a point where it's hard to pick apart someone who's been at a club for seven years from, from the club around them. I think that Juventus 100% have that characteristic, have that reputation, and live up to it as a club. And I think uh, when you look at um, even this year, uh, uh, in the Champions League, the, the two legs against Tottenham, I think if you were being honest about those two legs, Tottenham outplayed them. But who won in the end? It was Juventus because Juventus are ruthless. They're a team that are extremely uh, uh, effective at getting results when they need to get results. Um, and I think that Link Steiner has has a lot of that in his personality and the way he plays the game. If if he needs to bring someone down to get the job done, then he'll bring <laughs> someone down to get the job done. Uh, he's not he's not afraid of of the niggling foul. He's not afraid to pick up a yellow card um and i think he's you know yeah he's got a little bit of that uh, in Italian, they always say "cattiveria," which sort of translates to nastiness. I'm never sure if "nasty" is quite the right word, but you know what I mean. It's yeah. cynical, cynical is probably the right word. It's the, the the willingness to, to to not be a nice guy when you need to, to to do the thing that's a little bit underhand if it gets you if it gets you what you want. Mm. Um, yeah, I know, I, look, I, I, I say it again. Like, I think character wise, I think he's he's definitely a nice fit for me. Uh, I think that football wise, he has something to offer. I also sort of don't want to sit here and because i'm saying all positive things about him i don't want people to come away thinking wow he's really going to transform the club i don't think one player does transform the club especially not one who's a 34 year old fullback but i just don't i don't really see myself because i feel like i've read a lot of this what anyone would be complaining about in this signing i think he's he's a perfectly useful um addition to make who uh, for a free transfer and of course he to pay his wages but for a free transfer um I, I see as a you know
1: a net gain for the club. Mm, a short-term way of filling a gap that needs to be filled in the long-term. Um, but yeah, I mean, the experience, obviously they're bringing in uh, as well, we believe, um, Socrates Papastathopoulos from... Yeah. Well, if
2: nothing else, the thing is, you know, not an original observation, but they've certainly found ways to get more letters on the back of the shirt. They have, the haven't
1: part. we? With we, Lichsteiner, <laughs> Papastathopoulos, Mavropanos, Obama-Yang, Mkhitaryan... Yep. Um, Maitland-Niles, you know, yep. get, get some more double-barrel. What we need is some double-barrel foreigners. <laughs> we need we need Lichstein or They Those two guys can have kids. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it does look as if what they're trying to do with the defence, at least, is to add some experience to it. Because there are young defenders at Arsenal. You know, Bellerin is pretty young. Kalasinac is still pretty young some of the guys who are heading towards the September of their careers, Lauren Castellani, of course, has an injury. Nacho Monreal is, is uh, 31, 32 now at this point. Um, and then you've Holding and Chambers and and these guys who perhaps need just that bit of guidance, not simply on the training pitch, but on the pitch as well. Mm,
2: yeah, completely. Um, I, and And in the end that job still falls, falls first and foremost to Emery and his staff and i think you know that's important to say as well you know you can sign yeah. some players who who bring a culture and that's that's great and i'm in, i'm in favor of it um but uh, yeah you know it, it still falls first and foremost to the, to the manager and and emery has got to has got to prove that to us i guess um i i will be um as i would have been with any new manager i'll be jury out on that until until we see but yeah. but I, I, yeah i i don't see that I, yeah it, it's it's sort of the Licksteiner steiner signing in, in itself for me is is just a, over and over again all i'm saying when i look at it is i don't see how it hurts i don't see how it hurts arsenal and i see ways in which it can help and one of the ways is one you just said which is can he be a positive influence on young players who definitely need a positive influence. I think there's no question that there's been a, a lack of development in, in young defenders at Arsenal for a while now. Um, yeah, you know, I, I don't see how he hurts, and I think he might be able to help.
1: What did you make of the Emery appointment, seeing as uh, we're, we're talking about him? He came out of the blue, uh, out of the darkness, late on to uh, to take the job when his name had barely even been mentioned. Um, I mean, it was a surprise, but I think uh, as a candidate, he ticks many of the right boxes. In perhaps the same way that Lichtsteiner does at Right Back.
2: Yeah, you know, I, I have to admit he wasn't one of the names who who I'd sort of was most uh, excited about for Arsenal. Um, mm. I, I really would have liked them to, to personally to see them go after someone else uh, from the same league, which is uh, Nenad Jardim. I just think that he has a little bit more of the. Um, outwardly obvious uh I guess uh hardness about him um and I think that I've felt like if you're going to take a step away from Arsene Wenger a little bit of that hardness a little bit of meanness um might not be a bad thing for this squad right now as someone who's a little bit um tough and i also think that Jardim just sort of to 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 say it is is a manager who basically has gone through his entire career and I think when he first started out as a coach he was coaching not only just amateur football but amateur handball as well he was sort of a dividing his time uh, has basically taken a step forward every single time in his career and has always proven himself at the step up so I think he was a name that I was quite attached to as, as an Arsenal opportunity because he hasn't had the you know because because from you know whilst the um, some managers might be put off by the lack of Champions League football even though he'd, he'd be losing that from Monaco to Arsenal I think you really couldn't dispute it be a step forward in his career again I think he'd have an opportunity yeah the, the the problem with um, with Emery, it's not a problem, it's, it's just sort of my perception of him, I guess. Uh, what happened at PSG is, is very hard to evaluate him on. I agree with the people who've said that. I think it's it's such a ridiculous, bizarre situation he found himself in this season with Neymar, who was clearly being positioned by the club's owner as, a, as above all authority. And at that point, what do you do as a manager? You're, your authority is being undermined directly from the people who are supposed to be supporting you. I just, I just don't know if I see that same... Um, edge to him and that's a really intangible thing to say i just i don't i don't when i see him talk when i see the way he manages i don't find him uh there's something that still feels too much like a a people pleaser in him which i find frustrating because i think that arsenal don't necessarily need a people pleaser right now i think they need someone who is willing to to not please people and who is willing to tell players what they need to hear rather than what's you know satisfying to hear um and maybe you know, maybe that's just his public image against his private image and his coaching image. And maybe I'll be proved, uh, you know, I'll be uh, happily proved uh, wrong on that, and, and that he is much harder than I than, than what I see from him. Um, so that's you know that's my hesitation with him I guess uh, is is it's it's like an intangible thing but somehow when I look at him I'm, I just don't feel like um, I'm certain that his face fits in the way that I was hoping it would and, and clearly I also don't have all the answers to these questions by the way yeah. otherwise I'd be <laughs> off doing it myself um, but uh, but his his CV is is excellent um, he was available for. Uh, he was available for for you know for nothing for someone who the club can go and get right now and have in place early, which I think was important. I think the, the worst thing would have been to spend the whole summer dillying and dallying, waiting for people to sort out contracts. Like you look at um, Maurizio Sarri at Napoli right now, and he's a fantastic manager. Um, again, I don't personally think his face would have fit. I think he's very um, uh, his some of his social views are a little bit too, uh, too much of an edge outside the box. Of- <laughs> Yeah, outside the box of what we, uh, you know, we we uh, you know are, are okay with in England, and I think he's you know someone who I just couldn't have imagined someone like Stan Kroenke appointing because the risk of uh, things in him saying things and doing things as he did, you know, flipping off uh, Juventus fans on the way to the game this year, it's it's you know it's a bit outside the Premier League neat marketing bubble, I guess. Um, so you know but to get back to the point which i was saying there was yes you know just the fact of not going for a manager like saty who's still got a contract who needs to be brought out of that contract who seems to be you know d you know, all size d in their heels and arsenal didn't need that arsenal needed someone who could come in and take the job and, and for that Sally was clearly uh um, emery was clearly available and yeah. he had the cv and and uh, i'm i'm in no mean by no means uh, against the appointment i just uh uh yeah, I'll be honest and say it wasn't my first choice either. Um well, hopefully he'll uh, he'll prove all the reasons which I missed that he he should have been.
1: Okay, but one of the other things I think we, we have to discuss when we discuss Emery is the fact that he was named head coach rather than manager and I think we all understand the reasons why that happened and maybe the last time we spoke we we talked about this structure that's in place now uh, with a director of football, with a head of recruitment, with a chief executive who was clearly going to get more involved on the football side of things whereas we have this traditional view of the chief executive of looking after the business side. I think we can gather from what we've seen of Ivan Gazeta since Arsene Wenger's announcement was was made. He, he is putting himself there front and center as part of the team that's going to run the football side of the club as well as the business side of the club. So the, the head coach or the manager or whatever you want to call him has got to operate within that structure as well. Do you, do you have any concerns about how those three men are going to work together? You know, when, when Wenger went, there is a, a huge power vacuum, a gap yeah. in which someone or many people or some people have to fill. So if they're all in there together and they're all rowing in the same direction, that's great. There is perhaps the possibility that, you know, over time, those relationships might, you know, see them rowing in different directions. Do you have concerns about that? Because it is so different from the way Arsenal have operated over the last 22 years and, and you know, in the entire existence basically before that.
2: Uh, I mean, I, I think i do only say I have concerns in as much as these are all new new faces and, and seeing how they work together is, is you know, to be seen. Um, but I don't have concerns about it as a structure because I think it's it's just that's how modern football works. I mean, if you look at another person who was being mooted at a certain point for the Arsenal job and, and who I don't doubt would also have been an excellent appointment, uh, Massimiliano Allegri. that is what he works with at Juventus. He works as a, as a coach rather than rather the manager that we are used to um, in the sort of traditional sense in English football. Where exactly as you said at the beginning we talk about the manager making the signings um, and, and I don't think that um, you know I, I I don't think that there's any reason to be afraid of it as a structure yeah. uh, look Zinedine Zidane was was, was the coach at, at Real Madrid they've just won their third Champions League in a row uh-huh. uh, Maxime Alegre is, is the head coach rather than the manager at, at Juventus they've just won their seventh title their fourth double in a row under him four consecutive doubles and um, there's nothing against that structure inherently that that stops it from being a success. Um, of course, we don't now we don't know these these individuals. Even the ones who have been there at the end of the Wenger tenure were were so sort of. Uh, having to play to the structure that Wenger had set up and, and in which Wenger was the ultimate sort of head of everything that we don't know for for sure what was their work and what wasn't. Um, so it's it's an uncertain time for Arsenal and, and knowing how that all fits is, is a big question. What you'd like to hope is that Gazidis, who is leading all of this, has made sure that all three of these appointments are, are people who... Who, who work together, you know, Mizdintat, Sanjeehi and, uh, and Emery. He'd like to hope that he's got them all together during the interview processes and, and said to them, you know, do you like this guy? Do you think that you can work with this guy? Do you think that you're going to mesh? And and, the, and that he's made those considerations part of the process. Um, whether or not it's going to mesh, you know, I don't think I can say that until we see it. I think yeah. we just have, to, have yeah. to see how it goes. Yeah,
1: give it, give it some time. Um, wh- What are you expecting... Well, let me put it a different way. What would you like to see from the club this summer in terms of transfers? Because we have a, a limited amount of time. There's a World Cup on, which is a bit of a distraction as well. What? Where do you see the need for players? Let's make the assumption that Lichsteiner and, and Papastathopoulos are come are done. Um, we know Lichsteiner is, but the other guy pretty much is as well from everything we've read. Beyond that, what would you like to see Um to make this team more competitive, to get it back into the top four.
2: Yeah, it's it's tricky. I mean, obviously I don't mean individuals,
1: always... by the way. I just sort of mean positions. I don't want you to say we need to buy this sure. guy from wherever. But
2: Sorry, just give me one second. The dog is crunching something very noisy. He
1: is actually. Yeah what's what's yeah. the
2: dog called? He found a bo- he found a bottle. Uh, his name is Ross. Ross. And he's now looking at me with with the most pained expression. You bastard!
1: You took my bottle off me. Oh. Yeah. Okay. It's
2: never your bottle. I just knocked it on the floor. Us. Was... Okay. <laughs> uh, um, sorry about that. Uh, should you want to say the question again, or should I just pick it up? Or... No,
1: I think we should just keep going because you know just any do- <laughs> just dog intervention on the on the podcast is dog amazing time to me. Is yeah. Have a bad time. Yeah. Exactly. Um,
2: yeah, I, I think there's, there's obviously everyone is is still going to look at uh, the defensive positions because this team concedes too many goals. And I, I have some difficulty with that just because it's not like there haven't been signings and, and players brought in already to address that situation. I mean, if you look even at centre-back, there's actually a lot of bodies now. There's, you know, there's chambers, there's holding, there's... Uh, Mavroponos playing games at the end of the year. They've got uh, Koscielny and uh, and Mustafi. It, there's a lot of bodies there and I think that what needs to happen first is a serious analysis of which of these guys are going to stay and be contributors before you start looking at adding more to that mix. You need to say who here is actually up to the task and and who isn't. Um, I think that that uh, <laughs> You know, you could say the same thing in in central midfield. Have we got enough? Have we got? Have we still, after all this time, got a proper holding midfielder who we feel comf- comfortable and who we can trust? Well, I mean, Shaka isn't a holding midfielder. He's someone who aspires to be, I think, more of an Ted He he's he's aspires to to, mm. to play those passes in the middle of the park and. You know, you've got a lot of players you can play through the middle who all want to be quite attacking between Ramsey and Ozil and, and everyone else. There's just there's a lot of players trying to do the same things. And what's Lenny's role in this situation? It didn't feel like he really contributed much this last season. So it feels like there's almost needs to be subtraction before you get a ad- addition in those areas to me, which I, I know might not feel like a popular thing to say because people are going to just look and say, oh, well, Arsenal aren't good enough in those spaces. So yeah. You need to sign someone. Um I think that I still could stand more depth at the fullback, conversely. Uh, I think that that could be a position, you know, something uh, left back, certainly. Um, There's clearly no need for more strikers. Funnily enough, the the thing which I keep coming back to, um, and I guess there's a – you know going to going to sound like I'm contradicting myself here in terms of positions that are already overloaded because I know we've already got attacking midfield players like Urza, like Mkhitaryan, and like Ramsey I, I sort of feel like there hasn't been enough real quality wing play uh, in the last year I think sure. that someone who really has that speed the threat of getting in behind people the threat of just running at a fullback has been has been missing I know I will supposed to do that but he hasn't been as effective as we'd like this season and so again I suppose you have to ask the question of well is it subtraction before addition but I, I just really would, would love there to be someone in that team who I really felt like was just going to beat the fullback and, and put the ball into the middle especially now because Arsenal really have got a Couple of proper penalty box strikers for the first time in a long time. You know, Abayang and um, uh, oh my god, it's right out of my head. Lacazette, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, like and Lacazette, a proper penalty box strikers. So, so put the ball in for them, make that happen. Um, so, yeah, I, I actually think width is the area in general that, that bothers me the most. Still, is there enough at fullback? Is there enough on the wings? Yes, uh, a, a great. Um, a great centre-back wouldn't hurt the team and nor would a great holding midfielder. Um, but
1: I just want to know what's happening with everyone who's already there first. Mm, okay, well, we'll see, uh, obviously, uh, what does happen. The the summer is short, so we don't have too long to wait. And I think they're going to want to do as much business as they possibly can as as early as they can. But that uh, that's uh, for the weeks ahead. I just wanted to touch very quickly on... The Premier League and the announcement that a, uh, a package of games has been sold to Amazon from the start of, of next season. And that takes us into a new era in, in some ways because they're not available as a traditional broadcaster on a traditional platform. It's the new era. They're going to stream the games via Amazon Prime. Uh, and I don't think there's anything wrong per se in looking at what technology does and how people consume football these days and and providing people an option in that regard. It's not a huge option. It's only going to be 20 games. And those 20 games are only going to be over the course of two days. They're going to stream all 10 games on two per- particular days I think on a bank holiday and one midweek game Uh, so it's not a huge amount of football on that uh, particular platform however the reason why there was a demand to break up uh, the sky monopoly if you like was in order to give consumers customers supporters football fans whatever you want to call them more choice Mm -hmm. but it hasn't really given us more choice what it's done is given us more subscriptions and more expense if we want to watch all the games that are available to watch.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I, I agree with that. Um, I think what's fascinating about this deal is is exactly as you mentioned, it's the idea of a whole weekend worth of games at, at once. And it's clear that what's happening is that the Premier League is, is trying to assess that, trying to assess the idea of if we put all the games out, how does that affect everything else? Um, because actually the Premier League is... Perhaps now we operate in a global market, will view itself as behind, for instance, um, the NFL, where you can, in America um, and indeed internationally, buy a package on TV that lets you watch every game. Uh, The difference being that in America, they have these sort of, because of the size of the country, they're able to have these localized blackout laws. So you buy the package that lets you watch every game live. Um, but they can say that the local game, the ones in your area, gets blacked out uh, if if enough tickets don't sell, which is, I can't remember what the exact figure is, but it's like 75% of tickets or something. right? But it's clear to me that that's what's happening. And and I, and I think it, it actually has to happen now for the Premier League's point of view, because the fact is that enough people are working out how to stream games live without their um, official say so anyway. Um, a bit like, you know, iTunes was a reaction to the fact that everyone was downloading their music for free. Uh, the Premier League has a choice to make, which is either you work out how to stream every game and make it uh, viable f- that you can sell that and trust that people will generally pay for something and do it legally rather than not pay for it and do it illegally in general and um, I think that's the position they're in, and that's why they're having to do something like this. And in in that regard, Amazon makes sense as a partner because Amazon are a partner who already has a very successful video streaming service. So you know, one of them or Netflix or you know, I don't know, something like that makes sense because you go with someone who's who's already shown they can operate a streaming service. Um, But your your point about uh, packages is is absolutely valid, and I and I think this is something that. I don't know how it resolves itself other than um, the market. So the reason the Premier League is able to sort of toot its horn and say it's the best league in the world is because it's, it's the wealthiest league in the world. And and that is, is absolute. The, the money that's going into the Premier League club's pockets now is is of a different order from TV money than than any of the other leagues in Europe, uh, La Liga included. And it's by a substantial measure now. Um and and as consumers, English football fans like that. English football fans like to be able to watch their teams and and believe that they are the best in the world, even though the Champions League results haven't borne that out for a little while. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, the problem is that that money doesn't come from nowhere. Uh, the reason that Premier League clubs are spending the most on transfers are paying the highest wages, are drawing in general, a lot of the world's best players still not all, you know, it turns out that Real Madrid, Barcelona clubs of that can use their stature and their own, you know, substantial financial backing to, to still keep hold of players like Messi and Ronaldo. But, uh, The reason that that all happens is because English fans have been willing to pay more and more and more. Uh, And it's not, you know, a novel thing to an extent. English fans have always been amongst the very best in the world at travelling to World Cups, for instance. And that's an expense. English fans are, in general, fans who are willing to put their hands in their pocket and and go and support their team. Um, And to an extent that feels, uh, I don't know if noble is the right word, but it, it feels sort of within a, a context of, of what it means to be part of a club, sort of quite worthy to go and, and, and you know follow your club wherever and whenever. Um, but these clubs are now very efficient businesses. And if they see that you're willing to put your hand in your pocket and spend more money, then they're going to be happy to let you stick your hand in your pocket and, and take more of your money, which yeah. is what businesses do. Um, and all of these TV deals, whether it's a new provider or an old provider, have always ultimately had the, the result that you pay more for it whether it's your sky deal going up or it's now you've got to get bt and sky and amazon you're always paying more um and the only way that stops ultimately is is when people stop being willing to pay more um so yeah you know I, for, for me it's not a big deal the amazon thing because i, I live in a household where we've sort of worked out between us that between the delivery costs that we spend between the um the music service, which is an alternative to Spotify, which you get with Prime, uh, between that and then getting the Amazon Prime Video, it was worth it. So you you, you pay for it. But yes, like uh, as a sort of overall cultural point, we're we're constantly all spending more and more money on all of these subscription services, and we all have to work out what our budgets can and can't stretch to. Yeah. Um, and I do see that for some people, being told, "Hey, now you've got to pay for another thing," is going to be is going to be a step too far. But frankly, that was already true with BT, by the way. You know, yeah. BT don't have the same subscriber base that Sky do.
1: That is true. I mean, do you see this uh, very quickly as like dipping their toes in the water to see, A, how it works, B, what the reaction is from consumers um, with an online streaming service, what the numbers are like? Because, you know, BT obviously have plowed a huge amount of money in, but when you look at their figures and viewing figures, they're really very small. You know, Champions League went from tens of millions at times Uh, in terms of viewing figures to well below a million with BT. So uh, the money only goes so far when the product doesn't get the same reach, when the advertisers don't get the same reach. But like you say, the model is changing. The way people consume everything is changing. We don't all sit down in front of our TV anymore. We look at stuff on our phones or our tablet or, uh, you know, however or whatever device we're going to be looking at stuff on in five years time that we haven't even conceived of yet perhaps. So it might be a way of them looking at, A, how do we move into this other market or other uh, distribution platform but also perhaps change the model completely because it has been very reliant on even if it is satellite it's terrestrial in a way because uh, everyone's got to have a dish everyone's got to have a tv
2: yeah I, mean, I think you've hit the nail on the head there in the end uh, i think the younger you know younger households now don't have sky um, I think that uh, it's the, the cost of it, like the conventional getting a satellite dish and, and having a Skybox in your household. Uh, you know that that that's a thing which sky of you know a wrestling with and retention and working out how to get a 20 year old to do that is a two a are two two strands of the same thing which is how to you know maintain and build a customer base i think that a 20 year old is much more likely to have an amazon prime membership now um, if they are using sky they might be watching it through now tv which is you know sky's own attempt to to keep hold of those viewers um, and in general they are much more likely to be streaming things yes on a uh on a computer or on an iPad. I mean I you know I look I I still have a TV in my front room but I I have friends who are my age which is is not 20 and who no longer have TVs because they just you know use their tablets or their computers and 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 watch everything that way. Um I I think that is the way the world is changing. And so to go again into streaming and to go do it with a partner like Amazon who are already established in that area, who have the expertise to run a platform successfully, that makes total sense. And in the end, this is still quite a cautious first step. I mean, as you've already said, it's it's a couple of weekends. Um, It's a couple of weekends trial run. But I do think it's the precursor to, whether it's with Amazon or someone else, Mm. this is the precursor to a a full-time streaming future because that's that's just the way that um, TV is going.
1: Yeah, I think so. And maybe we'll, you know, eventually end up in a system whereby you can perhaps buy an online streaming service for the team that you support and you don't have to pay, you know, for for all the matches if you just want to watch Arsenal you buy an Arsenal online season ticket. That seems a natural progression for me. It's something I've been talking about for a long time. I, I you know, I would, would, I would pay that. You would make a lot yeah, it
2: would make a lot of sense for the viewer. It would make a lot of sense for the viewer and it would potentially make a lot of sense for Arsenal as well. The problem that, that you'll run into there will be whether it makes sense for the Premier League yeah. and at that point, what you know, who wins. And, and, and smaller clubs, obviously.
1: You, yeah, I mean... one Yeah, of,
2: ex- exactly. Um, because the smaller clubs will lose in that deal. They'll have less money and yeah. then you run into the situation which will get proposed again. It's already been proposed again of, well, then are we better off Saying goodbye to small clubs and having a European League, and that yeah. you know, that conversation is is going to continue over the next few years as well.
1: Oh boy, oh boy, there's a, <laughs> there's a lot coming down the line, Paolo. It um, is. I'm sorry, you know, and I need
2: to get off in a second, but yeah. that is, you know, that is that is the way I I frame all of this at the moment. It's all part of a bigger picture.
1: All right. Well, look, we'll see. We'll see what develops, uh, Paolo. As ever, a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you to you and to Ross.
2: Absolutely. Anytime, guys. Guys, it's just you. What it's just saying, me. <laughs> But it's just just a habit of when I'm on, like, phone calls with, uh, with people. i like, cheers, guys. That's
1: all right. That's all right. I've got dogs downstairs, too, so I'll include there you them. Go. I was talking there to the
2: dogs. That was what I meant. Yeah, <laughs> the dogs. You and the dogs. Cheers, Paolo. No problem. Speak soon. We can get anything delivered from furniture to toilet paper. And now, adult beverages with Drizzly. Drizzly lets you compare
0: prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits. Then get them delivered right to your door in under 60 minutes. And right now, Drizzly's giving all new customers $5 off their first order. Just enter promo code EASY5 at checkout. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com. This holiday season, treat yourself. Treat yourself to candy.
1: Thanks very much indeed to Paolo. You can find him on Twitter at Paolo underscore Bandini. That is at Paolo underscore Bandini. Interesting stuff about Stefan Lichsteiner. He is going to be a backup right back. That's what he is. That's what he's in the squad for from a footballing point of view. But perhaps we'll get more out of him in terms of his experience and the knowledge and the character and perhaps the cynicism that he can pass on to some of our players who could do with a little dose of that, I think. Take that yellow card. Chop that guy down on the halfway line. Unless your granny Xhaka don't do it, though. Everybody else can do it. Jaka gets sent off. You know, those kind of things where you prevent danger further away from goal than normal. You prevent the opposition building momentum. Small things like that can make a big difference in games, and maybe he's been brought in to teach us a bit of that, in which case I'm all for it. I am all for it. There's not a great deal else going on. We are expected to sign, as we said, Papastathopoulos, and there is also, the uh, reports that we've signed this 17-year-old PSG midfielder called Yassine Adli. I hope I'm saying that right. He's coming in on what is believed to be a three-year deal with a two-year option at 17. Perhaps it's a bit soon for Premier League, but he did make his debut for PSG last season. And we do have Europa League. We've got Capital One Cup or Worthington Cup or Carabao Cup or whatever the hell cup it is this season. We don't know. We don't know. It could well be Carabao. I'm just I look, it's not that we don't know. I just can't be arsed to look it up. You look it up. You've got Google right there. Alexa, who sponsors the English League Cup? There you go. For all those of you who have uh, Alexa, Siri, who sponsors the English League Cup? Okay Google, who sponsors the English League Cup? Right, I think I've got all of you covered right there. Um yeah, maybe he's a guy who's going to come in and make his breakthrough in that. And perhaps by the end of the season, he could be a first team player or somebody much more involved in Premier League action. I don't know. I'm just I'm just hoping I'm looking at best case scenario here because I am, like all of you, filled with huge optimism and excitement for the new season. You are, right? Yeah. OK, some, are, some of you, some of you are. And some people need to be convinced, and that's fair enough. That is fair enough. So, look, I'm going to leave it there. Just a reminder that if you like what we do here on sBlog, if you like the podcast, if you like what we do on ArsBlog and Arseblog News and you want to support the site, you can do that by signing up to be an ArsBlog member on Patreon. It costs just €5 euros a month. What will that get you in the real world? Maybe a pint of craft beer? half a pack of cigarettes. Maybe you could get a burrito or a sandwich from Marks and Spencers. But if you wanted to spend that five euros on becoming an Blog member on Patreon, we would very much appreciate that. And you do get more stuff. It's not just spending a fiver for nothing. You get extra content, extra podcasts. If you're just signing up now, you can hear me talk to the likes of Mark Strong, James Vincent McMorrow, John Keeble, who's the drummer in Spandau Ballet, Bernard Butler, Tim Wheeler from Ash. They're all Arsenal fans, and I talk to them about their life and times as an Arsenal fan. We've got history podcasts. There's one coming up this month about the 2001 2002 season in which Arsenal won the double. There are long reads, different articles, all kinds of stuff in there. that's what you get for your €5, Euros, as well as the warm glow of knowing that your €5 Euros will be spent productively on creating great Arsenal content for you, and it will continue to do so in the future. So if you want to sign up, it's patreon.com forward slash blog That's patreon.com forward slash blog Right, that's it. James and I will be here with an Arse Cast Extra on Monday. Until then, the weather looks good. The sun is shining. Have yourselves a great summer weekend. Catch you on the next one. Until then, cheers. Bye-bye. And finally in this bulletin, a company in Russia has put on sale a brand new digital assistant to rival some of the ones already on the market today. Like those devices, it will be always on and always listening and logging every single thing that you say and storing it in a massive database somewhere for all eternity. That private conversation you thought you were having with your girlfriend about that thing you've always wanted to try, well, they know. This new product, while equally sinister, offsets that by using the voice of former Arsenal star Andrei Arshavin. It works in a very familiar way. Arshavin, where is the nearest pie shop? Oh, Arshavin really loved pie. Please take Arshavin to have pie at Vladimir's pie shop, located only 3 minutes from here. Arshavin, where is the nearest pet grooming facility? Harshevin think you should go to Shampoodle is located four hour drive from here. But Shevin, I want to go to the nearest dog grooming emporium. Yes I know, but Shampoodle is right beside biscuit factory. Harshevin really, really like biscuit. Oh so like biscuit. Really want biscuit now, please to give me biscuit. I am like dog. Little digital doggy are shaving,
0: please give me a biscuit, woof, woof. I lick your face, please. This holiday season, treat yourself. Treat yourself to candy.